You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. I am Janice Baker, registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator, sitting in for Dr. Stephen Edelman. Periodontitis is considered the sixth major diabetes-related complication. How does poorly controlled diabetes affect the periodontum? Joining us to discuss the relationship between diabetes and periodontal disease is dentist in San Diego, California, Dr. Timothy Garfolo. Dr. Garfolo, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. What is the relationship between diabetes and periodontal disease? Well, first off, uh, people with diabetes are more likely to have periodontal disease than people without diabetes, probably because diabetics are more susceptible to contracting infections. Um, In fact, as you said earlier, periodontal disease is often considered the sixth complication of diabetes, and those people who don't have their diabetes under control are especially at risk. And there was a recent study in the Journal of Periodontology that found that poorly controlled type 2 diabetic patients are more likely to develop periodontal disease than well-controlled diabetics are. And uh, research has also suggested that the relationship between periodontal disease and diabetes goes both ways, so that periodontal disease may make it more difficult for people who have diabetes to control their blood sugar. But uh, severe periodontal disease can increase the blood sugar, and that does contribute to increased periods of time when the body functions with high blood sugar, and that puts diabetics, obviously, at at an increased risk for for diabetic complications. So, Dr. Garfolo, what are the signs and symptoms of periodontitis? Well, periodontitis, uh, it's often preceded by various stages of gingival inflammation, which is obviously gingivitis. And basically, that's just inflammation of the gums, um, and it's the initial and most easily treatable stage of the gum disease. But, you know, actual periodontitis itself, usually you'll see red and swollen gums, gums that tend to bleed easily, um, gums that are separating from the teeth. The teeth may become mobile from the uh, bone loss. Halitosis, frequent bad breath, is another sign that the patients present with. Um, also, if patients notice that their teeth are maybe not meeting the way they normally do when they bite, or if they're wearing partials or dentures and those aren't fitting anymore, normally that's all a result of periodontitis. The most common symptom when a patient comes in the office is they say that their uh, gums are bleeding when they're brushing, and you know, that's, that's kind of a telltale sign of periodontitis. So, Dr. Garfolo, what is the bidirectional relationship between diabetes and periodontal disease? Can you go a little more into that? Yeah, um, you know, studies show that people with insufficient blood sugar control seem to develop gum disease more frequently and more severely than people who have good management over their diabetes. Uh, Diabetes slows the circulation, which can also make the gum disease more susceptible to infections. Uh, So basically, recent data has shown us that periodontitis may cause changes in systemic physiology. And so the interrelationships between periodontitis and diabetes provide an example of a systemic disease predisposing to oral infection. And then once that infection is established, the oral infection exacerbates the systemic disease. And so um, these ch- 
changes in physiolog- these physiological changes that are associated with diabetes and periodontitis produce a synergy um, so that they basically coexist and they exacerbate each other. Basically what happens is the diabetes-induced um, changes in the immune cell function increases the inflammatory cytokines and it decreases the growth factors. What this does is it causes inflammation and it also causes tissue breakdown and diminished tissue repair. And so basically periodontal infections increase inflammation signals, which increases your blood sugar, which complicates diabetes, which lowers immune function, which increases periodontal infections, and so on, and so on. So it just keeps going. What are other oral problems that can occur in people with diabetes? Well, diabetes uh, can lead to marked dysfunction of the, the salivary glands. And so xerostomia, which is another word for dry mouth, is one of the major complications. Um, individuals that have xerostomia uh, complain of problems when they're eating, speaking, swallowing, wearing dentures. Uh, if you can imagine having a dry mouth, it's hard to eat dry, crumbly foods like cereals, crackers. Um, chewing and swallowing is also difficult with xerostomia. Um, patients with xerostomia also have taste disorders called dysgeisia and also painful tongue, which is glossodynia, and it's an increase to obviously drink water, especially at night. The other problem with xerostomia is it can lead to increased dental caries, um, inflammation and fissuring of the lips, which is colitis, and inflammation or ulcers of the tongue, um, and oral candidiasis, which is also a pretty uh, it can be pretty devastating for candidal infections in the mouth. Um, also, the, you can get cracking and fissuring of the entire oral mucosa if it's, if it's left untreated for a while. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Janice Baker, and I'm speaking with Dr. Garfolo. We are discussing the relationship between diabetes and periodontal disease. What do you advise primary care physicians treating patients with diabetes? Well, many medical conditions, uh, particularly diabetes, predispose patients to the development of more severe and progressive forms of periodontal disease. And uh, kind of in an effort to focus attention on the need for better oral health outcomes for patients with diabetes and periodontitis, uh, providers should take several action steps. First one is asking the, the patient with diabetes about their oral health, specifically if they've noticed any signs of infection, some of the things we mentioned earlier, uh, the bad breath, bad taste in their mouth, or if they have any other symptoms. Also, second thing would be to inquire about the last dental or oral health examination. Um, find out when they were last seen. It's going to be important that they've been seen within the last, definitely within the last six months. Uh, third one is to remind them uh, patients with diabetes that they need periodic dental and periodic examinations every six months or frequent or more frequently. Uh, if they have severe periodontitis, you're probably going to see the patient four months in the office, every four months instead of six, to control the disease. Uh, fourth, encourage contact with the patient's dental care provider if they notice signs of infection, such as sore or swollen bleeding gums, loose teeth, mouse ulcers, etc., uh, they can also perform an oral examination. Just see if it, if it does look puffy and red. That's a very obvious sign that there's something going on uh, with the gums. 
And six, uh, refer all diabetic patients without a dental provider, regardless of oral findings or complaints, to a dentist for preventative care. Dr. Garfolo, what do dentists need to know in terms of general treatment for patients with diabetes? Well, dentists basically need to be proactive in asking their patients how well controlled they are, uh, how often they're checking their, their blood glucose levels, what medications they're taking for it, uh, for example, the, the, they are taking meds or whether they're diet controlled. Those are all important questions so that we can get a good gauge as to how well controlled the patient is. Um, an extensive exam is also crucial. Look for a history of missing teeth, periodontal disease, oral deficiencies, as mentioned before. Um, you'd want to do three things. Basically, you want to remove the infection, which is the debridement of any plaque and calculus in, and uh, bacteria in the mouth. You want to decrease the inflammation response, and you also... Thirdly, uh, just want to have maintenance of the glycemic control. I always recommend speaking with the primary care physician because you really get a good sense as to how well-controlled they are. Plus, patients sometimes, if they aren't well-controlled, they won't tell you. They will say everything's fine, everything's, uh, everything's okay, because a lot of patients don't, don't understand how important it is for uh, them to have the complete oral health that goes with diabetes. Uh, they don't understand what it can do to their condition. So, you know, the big thing is to also make sure that they have had uh, their, either their medication, their insulin, or something to eat before you even start treatment because even the treatment itself can cause a, a major drop in, in blood sugar levels. Uh, so you just want to make sure that you really have a good dialogue with the patient before you start any treatment on them. So what are key preventative measures to keep teeth and gums healthy for patients living with diabetes? Well, you know, basically regular cleanings every four to six months, depending on the type of periodontal condition, is going to be the, the biggest thing you can do. Uh, keep going to your uh, appointments because periodontal disease can reoccur if, if not maintained. Um, another one is patient education. I think that's the, one of the biggest uh, things we try to do in my office is to sit down and educate the patient on what diabetes does to their mouth or, you know, any type of dental disease does to any other type of systemic disease. Uh, patient needs to receive good home care instructions on brushing and oral hygiene. I always recommend more than just a manual brush. I recommend one of the uh, oscillating toothbrushes. Those really are the best way to do that with mouth rinses. Good mouth rinses are Listerine or Chlorhexidine. Those all are approved by the American Dental Association. And, um, those should be used daily along with, you know, brushing two to three times a day and flossing. Just kind of the ABCs of dental care, but those little things that you do every day will really help prevent you from going on to the next level of periodontal disease and infection. So, Dr. Garfolo, uh, what are good resources out there for dentists regarding diabetes and more information that could help them take care of a uh, patient who has diabetes? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because, you know, the American Dental Association website has uh, just many, many articles on the effects of, and many studies also on the effects of uh, periodontal conditions that are associated with diabetes. It's actually been a very hot topic in a lot of the dental schools recently with a lot of research projects that have been going on. So any of the latest journals of uh, American, the ADA journals, all of those have the latest on uh, updated periodontal disease effects on diabetes. As far as treatment goes, uh, the, the American Periodontal Association, they have a website up that also has 
uh, specific steps on how to treat patients and different protocols that are available. So there really is a wealth of information out there for dentists that uh, aren't up to date on the latest of diabetes and periodontal disease. Well, this is great information. It really just really brings it home how much there is such a relationship between dental disease and diabetes control, and this just can't be ignored. I would like to thank our guest, dentist in San Diego, California, Dr. Garfolo. Dr. Garfolo, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. No problem. Thank you very much. This is a really important topic. I'm glad we're talking about this. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. What are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Uh, Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes, and like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess in a way it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.